you're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Hi, everyone. This is Kara Orbell, your host of Going Places. Today, I'm talking to Sarah Barnes-Humphrey. She is an expert in supply chain, and she is the host of Let's Talk Supply Chain and the host of Blended, which is an, a diversity and inclusion podcast. She is one of the top 100 most influential uh, women in Canadian supply chain, and she has a really cool supply chain media media company, including her podcast. So I'm really excited to dive into supply chain, into her podcasting, and just into her entrepreneurial spirit. She's the CEO of the company Ships. So it's going to be a great interview. Thanks for being on the show. Hi, I am so excited to be here. And um, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, it's a new year. And so let's, let's kick it off. Let's, let's get going and start talking about all things entrepreneurship and uh, tech, right? Because I'm in tech and media and podcasting. I love it all. Awesome. That's so great. Let's start from the very beginning. I always love to hear about everyone's childhood. So how has your childhood kind of influenced where you are today, how you got into supply chain? Let's start there. Huge, huge influence. So my uh, dad actually started a 3PL, which is a third party logistics company, which originally started off as a freight forwarder. So a freight forwarder is like a travel agent, but for products. And so he started that in 1989. And so all throughout my childhood, it was really what we talked about at the dinner table. So it kind of set the stage. I really couldn't go into anything else. No, I'm just kidding. I totally could go into something else. But it ended up that supply chain was really in my blood. Like we talked about it at the dinner table. I started working at the company when I was 16, you know, during summers, just doing filing and different things like that. And uh, yeah, so that was the trajectory of, of me getting into supply chain. That's awesome. So I'm fascinated with this entrepreneurial mindset. It's something I ask all pretty much any entrepreneur I know. So do you have, do you mind defining the entrepreneurial mindset in your eyes? And then do you think you have it? I definitely think I have it. I mean, I grew up with two entrepreneurs in the household, so I definitely was very, very lucky to have that from a very early age, um, to really grasp onto and learn from, um, you de- so you have to be very prepared. I think the entrepreneurial mindset is you really won't know if you're an entrepreneur until the crap hits the fan <laughs> until you don't have any money coming in. And until, you know, you don't know where that next paycheck is going to come from. That is when you know that you're, you're an entrepreneur is when you can persevere through that And you're not just going to get another job just to get another job. So when did you make that big leap from, because I know you started in supply chain. Do you mind telling me like the story of how you became an entrepreneur and when the crap hit the fan, when you realized, oh, this happened? 
Yeah. So I worked at my family business for 20 years. And so I really feel like that was the first foray into entrepreneurship because at the end of the day, I was helping my dad and my parents build that company from the inside out. So I started off as reception. I spent eight years in operations. So I did trucking, air freight, ocean freight, customs, warehousing, you name it. I kind of did every single aspect of the business. And at the same time, I was also getting degrees and diplomas. While I was working, I was doing it by correspondence and really opening up my eyes to what else was out there in supply chain and where where I wanted to be in supply chain. So I had the hands-on experience and then I was also getting my education at the same time. And then I went into sales for eight years. So I ended up selling all of those services that I was handling in operations that I ha had really, really good knowledge of. And I went and I was selling those services to importers and exporters. And so it really gave me an opportunity to understand from the business perspective, understand from the freight forwarders perspective, and then also understand it from the importers and the exporters perspective. And then what happened is I ended up in uh, sales and marketing. I ended up as the director of sales and marketing and all, everything that I know about marketing is all self-taught. So I, I started really learning everything through Google and YouTube and taking different classes and what is really important to a 3PL is being somewhere to be able to tell your story. You want to be able to tell your story so that you can differentiate yourself from the other 3PLs out there. And I was really finding at that time that there wasn't really anywhere for me to do that. And I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I thought, well, hey, you know, if Lewis Howes can do this, why can't I? And so I gathered my team together. I asked a gentleman from my customs department to be my co-host and we started this podcast. We called it Two Babes Talk Supply Chain. And the reason why we did that was because we wanted to push the boundaries. We wanted to see how far we could push the boundaries in the industry because the industry at that time was very stuffy, right? It was very, you know, suits and, and, and just stuffy information. And so we did that and I ended up starting to make revenue in the podcast. And so I had moved it into my own business. And then unfortunately in the fall of 2017, my whole world came crashing down because we closed the doors of the 3PL. Mm. And that was the worst day of my life. Um, but I had customers that had paid to come on the podcast. But keep in mind, I lost my team. Mm -hmm. I lost my co-host. And so I had to learn how to do graphic design and website design and copy and posts and social media and all sorts of different things at the same time as trying to figure out how I was going to record the episodes and how I was going to release them and edit them. And, and anyways, um, I did it. I, I picked myself up, you know, did what I had to do in January, 2018. I started the woman in supply chain series on my, on my podcast, really just to get to know the women in the industry, talk about their stories and their perspectives. Um, and then by April, 2018, they didn't really resonate with the name anymore <laughs> and I didn't have a co-host anymore. So I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't really keep the name Two babes talk supply chain. So I literally rebranded everything to let's talk supply chain within a week. And I don't suggest anybody doing that because that was the craziest week of my life. Um, but it was the best thing that I've ever done. And the last two years have just been amazing. 
That's such a great story. Oh my gosh. It's amazing how you were able, and I really want to talk about this later, how you were able to kind of combine your love of podcasting with your career in supply chain. And I'm really excited to bring that up, but I'm just fascinated by that story. I mean, that must've been so difficult to to learn everything on your own, to be self-taught, but had that experience given you kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say a chip on your shoulder, but did that give you a newfound confidence? Like, Hey, if I have a problem, I can figure it out. Like I can do this. Can you talk about yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, it definitely did. I listen, I had always had a side hustle. Oh. So I've always had side hustles. I've always done different things. Um, and so I had already had a toe or maybe half a foot into <laughs> entrepreneurship um, anyways, But yeah, I mean, when that happens, it really shakes your confidence. And there's a lot of people that are not very happy with you. And um, it took a lot to really put myself out there. But it was really just a matter of getting up and putting one one foot in front of the other. And, you know, putting everything out there anyways. So I always say progress over perfection. So I never held back on anything. I never held back releasing anything because it wasn't perfect. I knew that my graphic design skills are not very good, (laughs) but I did my best. I put it out there and it was really about the content and people like the content. So interesting. Are you a self-proclaimed perfectionist? No. Oh, no. Interesting. (laughs) That's funny. That's good. That's honestly really good. That's something that I struggle with. So I'm just curious because that was really good advice where you need to put yourself out there. You need to make those mistakes to learn. And that's yes. Yes. And even if you make them publicly, honestly, most people don't even notice. (laughs) I like that. That's so good. So let's talk about the supply chain industry now, because I feel like you kind of brought a humanizing perspective to it with your podcast. So what is it like now? Is it still pretty stuffy? Is it, is it male dominated? I don't know. Um, it's getting better, but yeah, okay. it's still, it's still, it's still a bit male dominated. There's a lot of women in supply chain. Um, and we're starting to hear more from them. We're, we're starting to see them really gain their footing and, um, come forth with their voice, which is what we need in this industry. But supply chain is an amazing industry to be in. I mean, first we should probably tell the audience what supply chain actually is. Um, and so <laughs> supply chain is first mile, middle mile, last mile. You guys have probably heard of last mile, but I'm going to go through it anyway. So first mile is when you're sourcing a product or you're sourcing raw materials for your product, and then you're purchasing that product. Um, That's really part of the first mile. The middle mile is moving that product. So you've already, the manufacturer's already manufactured the product. It's ready to go. It's ready to come to you. How do you get it there? So is it air freight, ocean freight, trucking? So all of the transportation components Um, And then at the tail end of that really is your distribution facility because that's where it'll be delivered to. And then the last mile is when you are picking an order. So if you order something from Amazon, you order, let's say, toilet paper and a toothbrush. So the last mile is when they're going into their distribution center, they're picking that toothbrush, they're picking that roll of toilet paper, they're putting it into a package, and they're delivering it to your door. And so that's really essentially what supply chain in layman's term really is interesting stuff. I know, I know, cause I go to school in green Bay and we have Schneider trucking. That's our big supply chain 
there. And so I know there's a lot of logistics involved. I know there's a lot of people trying to get one thing to another. Do you mind talking about that? Like how, how you guys communicate, how that works? Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of opportunity for innovation still. Um, there's a lot of people that are corresponding by email and Excel, which is not, um, ideal really. Um, and so really what, what you're, what you're looking at is you've got the truck driver, right? You've got dispatch who is telling the truck driver where they need to go. You've got the customer at the other end. Um, and they're doing multiple deliveries on a daily basis, or they're doing long haul. So they could be moving products from Green Bay to LA. Um, and that's a long haul drive. And so behind the dispatcher, you've got what? Accounting, you've got marketing, you've got sales, you've got all of the business units that are behind the dispatcher and the, and the trucker. Um, to really make all of that to happen and to make sure that they've got, you know, sales and more loads moving so that the trucker can, can keep uh, driving and keep delivering, delivering product. That's really interesting. So let's talk about the international piece to it, because I know you've been involved in international transport and I don't want to get any of the lingo messed up. So I'm sorry if I screw up on that, but can you talk about what it's like? Cause I know that different countries have different protocols and different rules. Can you talk about what it's like to do cross-national transport and communicate with different countries, go through customs? What is that like? So we could probably talk about this for days, but <laughs> I will definitely try to keep it as co- compounded as possible. Um, so if, okay, so if you buy a product, let's say from China and it's coming to the US, so you're going to be talking to that supplier um, about their product. They're going to quote you on that product and you're going to say yes or no. You say yes, they put it into manufacturing and depending on your INCO terms. So INCO terms are very, very important in international shipping because it, it means the difference between the transfer of risk and the transfer of payment. So mm-hmm. sometimes um, if you are going to negotiate with your supplier X works, that means you're responsible for the whole product from their door to your door. So I'll use that one as an example, because that one's just the easiest one to use. And so once the product is ready, you're responsible to send somebody in to pick it up in China. Then if it's moving by ocean freight, you're responsible then to move that product into a facility so that it can be loaded into a container with other product. If it's not a full container, um, air freight's kind of similar. You would send that to the airport and they would put that into a, a container that goes on the airplane as well. And then it moves across the ocean, no matter how you do it, air or ocean freight, it's still got to move across the ocean. Once it gets here, um, the container comes off the vessel and depending on where it's going, it could get put on a train and that train will move it across the country to wherever it's going to. Container comes off the train, container goes to a a distribution center to be um, offloaded that's when you can then clear customs. And so there's a ton of paperwork that goes through that. You need a customs broker to help you through that. Um, And then once it's customs cleared, then your product can get delivered to your distribution center. Interesting. That's fascinating. I I come from the insurance industry. That's something I'm fascinated in. So that transfer of risk is just so interesting to me, especially because if you, I feel like if you had it the other way where the person transferring it 
would send it, it would be completely different. And that's just really cool to me. <laughs> yeah. So one of the Inco terms actually means that the, the supplier is responsible to deliver it to your door or yeah. deliver it to the terminal. And in those cases, they're also responsible for customs, which is really strange because they're not in they're they're, they're not a company within that country of destination. Yeah. So it gets all sorts of convoluted. Interesting. So when you work with a company and when you're involved in these logistics, how, what is the experience like working with different cultures or different, different types of people? Is there, is there a story you have about that? I don't know necessarily about a story, but there's also, there's so many nuances to doing international business. So I'm on the board of a non-for-profit out of Ottawa, Ontario, called Mm -hmm. FIT, which is the Forum for International Trade Training. And they actually have micro courses and full courses based on international trade. And one of those is around how to do business with other cultures. And so some cultures, and I believe it's the Japanese culture, when you give them your business card, you need to give it to them with two hands. Oh. Yes, you need to present it to them. Whereas in other cultures, a gift giving is a part of the ritual of getting to understand them and do business with them, right? Um, In other scenarios, you might have to take an interpreter with you if you don't speak the language so that you're able to communicate well. But if you are going to work with a supplier and they are gonna be a partner of yours, you do want to make and take the time to figure out what it is about their culture, especially if you're gonna go visit them, of what that looks like from a respectful place. Interesting stuff. I'm fascinated by that because I studied abroad in Spain, but I learned a lot about Latin America and doing business there. And so I'm really interested in kind of learning a culture, especially because before you go to a place, you don't know anything about the culture. Like no matter Mm -hmm. how much research you do, you won't know until you're fully immersed in that. So that that's really good advice. And I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah. And if you think about Spain, right, I, I believe Spain has a siesta in the middle of the afternoon. And so you've got to be respectful of that. And so if you're looking to book meetings, you have to understand that some of your meetings are going to go into the evenings and they eat a lot later because of that siesta in the afternoon. And so the type of schedule that we keep in North America is going to be thrown out the window when you're going to different uh, countries and different cultures. Interesting. Very cool. Okay. Let's take a little bit of a jump, but I want to talk about ships because you kind of, you connected. So your, your family business from before that was working with freight forwarders, but ships also works with freight forwarders in the fact that you connect it with, I want to say mid-sized companies, right? Yeah. So basically what I did was I took what we were doing as a freight forwarder, understanding the gaps and the challenges that they go through as a freight forwarding company. And then I took my years in sales and understanding what the importers and the exporters need to move their goods by air and ocean freight, what the gaps and the challenges are there. Mm -hmm. And I built a SaaS platform. So software as a service online marketplace for both stakeholders to do better business together. Because what's happening right now is there's a lot of friction. Freight forwarders are doing a lot of things that they don't wanna do, that they don't get paid for. And it's really costing them a lot of money to do business. And then importers and exporters are getting frustrated because they don't understand why they're they're not being given maybe their rates fast enough 
or why the freight forwarder corresponds with them the way that they, they correspond with them. So to give, to put it into context, to move a shipment by air and ocean freight, it takes 101 hours. Wow. There's 20 phone calls and 40 emails. That is a lot of time spent on both sides. Mm -hmm. And so literally what we did was we created a platform where the importers and exporters can come on, they can put in their shipment information, um, and then they can actually get costing at their fingertips. So one of the things that happens when you source product is that you want to know how much it's going to cost you all the way until you get it to your door. And so a lot of times importers and exporters go to the freight forwarder and ask for a quote when the shipment's not even ready. So the freight forwarder is doing all this quoting and all this quoting and all this quoting, and they're not even getting these bookings and the bookings and moving the freight is what they're, what they do best. And so we're able to give importers and exporters that cost. So they don't have to exhaust the freight forwarders. And then once their shipment is ready, then they can click the button and they can get quotes from all sorts of freight providers that are in our system. And then they can book it through the system with one login. So they only have to log in once to get access to all these freight forwarders and they only have one vendor account. So they don't have to have a vendor account with each one of the freight forwarders. They just have to have one vendor account with ships, which cuts down on so much time. And then they can message back and forth and they can send documentation back and forth through our system. That's really cool. That's amazing because you're changing the industry and that's so innovative that you have this technology. So when you had all of this experience, how did you, I don't want to say like, how did you, how did you realize that you needed to create this business? How did it come to you? So when at the same year that I ended up as director of sales and marketing, I decided that I wanted to be in supply chain tech. I didn't know really what that looked like, except for I had an idea that I wanted it to look like the Expedia for freight. Okay. Right. So if you think about Expedia, mm -hmm. but as we did our research, like we spent 18 months doing focus groups, research, really finding out from the industry what they needed. It wasn't the Expedia. It was a mixture of the Expedia and of, um, what do I say? So. And, um, oh, what, what is the one that I'm trying to say here? Mm, it'll come back to me. Ah, eBay. So okay. it's a mixture of Expedia and eBay. So they want to be able to access posted rates. So rates that are changing, but they can access it to get an idea of what the freight might cost them. But they also want then access to a number of different suppliers to get real-time pricing. And so that's when we were like, aha, uh -huh, this is where we have the idea for the, the, the tech platform. And that's when we started to build it. Wow. You wear many hats in supply chain because you go into it, but there's so many logistics and there's so many things that you've picked up, even with your own your own inspiration for learning. It's, it's fascinating and it's inspiring as someone who's going into their career, wanting to do that, wanting to have many side hustles. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I, just for, you know, anybody in your audience that are, that is in supply chain, we also want to make an impact on the next generation. And so we started a let's talk supply chain, TikTok page where we've got supply chain students coming on and taking over 
our TikTok to get more students excited about supply chain and showing them the opportunities. We're also getting nine supply chain experts together in 2021 to do us ask to do ask us anything um, panel discussion. So we're going to be going to, uh, different universities and colleges to be able to do that so that, um, we represent different parts of supply chain. And so we can answer most of the questions that any of the supply chain students might have. That's really cool. I hope you come to St. Norbert, but it's a really tiny school. So I don't think you'll be able to, it's all remote. It's all, Oh, it's all remote. Well, I will have to talk to you. I know we have a pretty big supply chain group, so I'll have to do it. That's I great. That. That's mm-hmm. really cool that you're incorporating the newer generation. Cause I think that's something that a lot of different industries miss out on. They don't really mm-hmm. try to transfer over to the next generation. And we are a pretty big force in, yes. in business. Yeah, yeah. And it's not just a marketing gimmick. It's, it's organic. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we've found some people that really, really want to make an impact on the next generation of supply chain and make sure that we've got people coming in the industry that can elevate the industry moving forward. And we're very, very passionate about it, as you could probably tell from me talking about it. Um, and so, yeah, so it's just organic and authentic and, and we really just want to be a resource. That's really great. Let's dive into that because I know Let's Talk Supply Chain has a really cool background and I love how you've been able to incorporate it into your career. This is something I really want to do with insurance just because I love podcasting. I kind of fell into it and I want to do it with my career. So can you talk about this experience of deciding that you wanted to make a podcast and being like, Hey, let's, let's turn it into something that can really elevate my career, really grow my ability to make connections in this industry. Yeah. So, I mean, really the only thing that I could tell you is to be consistent what I've done is I've shown up and been consistent every single time. And that has, that is what has positioned me as a thought leader in supply chain and positioned let's talk supply chain as one of the go-to podcasts in supply chain. But one of the, the differences that I did with my podcast is that I realized that there wasn't one place in supply chain for supply chain professionals to go when they're looking for different innovations. So they have a challenge, right? They have a challenge within their supply chain. Where do you go? Where do you go to find out what companies and innovations are out there that can help you solve that problem? Sarah then goes on to talk about her experiences with Let's Talk Supply Chain and Ships and how she was able to become extremely successful with both of these ventures. So, um, what I can tell everybody is just be consistent. I was showing up, I was being consistent. I was bringing the energy, right? Those are three of the main things that if you want to make this your career is something that you're going to need to bring every single time. It's the thing that's going to make you stand out. Um, that's how I became a thought leader. I, and that's how let's talk supply chain has become, you know, one of the top supply chain podcasts in the industry. Um, one of the things that I did differently on the show is that I realized that there wasn't one place for supply chain professionals to go to source companies that they could work with whenever they had a challenge. So if you're a supply chain professional and you've got a challenge in your supply chain, Where do you go to figure out what companies and innovations are out there to help you? Mm. Not a lot of resources to do that. So what I did with my podcast is that I highlight these companies 
And so on the Let's Talk Supply Chain website under podcasts, there's a category filter. So if you have a challenge in a specific area, you can actually filter it and you can pull up companies and innovations that can help you with that specific challenge and provide you with a solution. And so that's what I did to differentiate myself in the market. Um, I also started the Women in Supply Chain series. So obviously getting behind women in supply chain, helping to tell their stories, helping to elevate their voices, sometimes even giving them the first platform that they've ever been given to really tell their story and elevate their voice. Um, And then lastly, we just released Blended, which is our diversity and inclusion uh, podcast. It was a series within Let's Talk Supply Chain and I moved it into its own podcast. Um, And once you get into it, you can really figure out where you can make an impact. And diversity and inclusion was one area that I really wanted to make an impact. And let me tell you, Blended took me like six months to really figure out what the show needed to look like in order for us to make the biggest impact. Mm, Interesting. Let's talk about Blended because this is something that fascinates me. I work as a community organizer at my school. I love just kind of learning about how I can better be educated on topics and how I can be an ally to people who may not have the opportunities that I have. Yes. So let's talk about why did you feel the need to create this podcast? Um, and how has it changed your perspective of being an ally and raising people up in these industries where they might not be represented? Yeah. So, um, I always knew that diversity and inclusion was obviously something that I was very passionate about because I started the woman in supply chain series. Mm-hmm. And as I moved further within that series, I knew that there was other places that we needed to go. It wasn't just about gender. It needed to be about everything and everybody. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to figure out a way for us to really, like I said before, I hate to overuse a word, but make an impact. Mm -hmm. And so what I decided was instead of a regular interview where I'm interviewing one person, I felt like we needed diverse perspectives. And so I brought together five individuals from different walks of life um, to come together to talk about one diversity and inclusion topic. So the first topic that we decided to talk about was what's in a word. What words can we use? What words can't we use? What should we be asking? What shouldn't we be asking? And I'm on, I think in January, we're releasing episode four and the authenticity, the genuineness, the stories that people are sharing on this show are breathtaking. Like I have learned so much and still been a part of the conversation For example, the first episode, we had somebody on the episode uh, from the LGBTQIA plus community. And I asked him and I said, you know, can I ask you how you identify? Because you don't like, he was talking about not wanting people to assume, but he also wants people to know how he identifies. And I said, well, can I ask you? And he said, Well, it depends on the setting. It depends on the context. And then the group of us talked it through. And I was like, yeah, but you want us to know, but we can't ask. So how do we know? And, you know, it was kind of that dance in that conversation. And by the end of it, he stopped and he said, you know what? Just ask me. It doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter how, just ask me. I want you to know. So just ask me. 
And so even in the conversations that we're having within the blended, so it's the blended podcast. Um, if you're looking for it on Apple or Spotify or Amazon music, um, cause there's a couple of blendeds out there, but even in the conversations, we're changing the way even our panelists are thinking and talking about it. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so it's cool. so powerful. I, I, I just, I love it. I'm very passionate about it. That is really cool. I had a really similar situation my freshman year of college. I went into a course where we were traveling and taking classes, learning about marginalization in the United States. And so we had people from all different walks of life talking about these conversations. And let me tell you, as a podcast host, it must be so hard because you can't control the situation. And those conversations are raw. Like mm-hmm. that, that must be really, can you talk about that experience and how, how you've been able to grow as a podcast host just from having these conversations in that setting? Yeah. It's just about, um, framing it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's about allowing it, but it's also about how you frame the positioning as a host, right? So it, depending on where the conversation goes, you might have to position a question or a comment to get out of that situation that is fair to everybody on the panel and turn it around into something else and maybe a little bit more positive if it did go down a negative route. Mm. Um, and so I've had to be on my toes a little bit more, um, but I'm, I'm always engrossed in the conversation anyway. So that hasn't changed too much. It's just really about the wording and the timing, um, reframing what people are saying and then putting it into context as you roll through to the next question and things like that. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's broadened my perspectives from that point of view. That's fascinating. And you created this podcast. It came out in 2020, which is kind of a huge impact in kind of, that's when we started having these conversations. I mean, that's when this kind of really popped up. Did you do that on purpose or did it kind of happen? No, it just happened naturally. Honestly, uh, I think it was March or April. I started talking about how I was going to have this new diversity and inclusion series and I didn't even know what it was. I just started talking about it. And then, and then came the messages. Where is this diversity and inclusion show? How can I find it? Where is it? And I was like, I don't have it yet. <laughs> it's coming. I swear it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And then I really sat down. Like it took me months of, you know, figuring out what I wanted it to look like, walking away, coming back to it, talking to a couple of people about it. Um, And so launching it in October, um, kind of happened organically because I didn't rush the process. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was time. Like I felt it felt right. And it felt like it was the time. That's really good. Really good advice too, about if you're creating something and does, it doesn't feel right, just wait. And it might feel better later and it might, there's a time for everything. So that's really Mm -hmm. great fascinating. So I wanted to talk about this because you are so successful. How do you set your goals? Cause it's 2021. We all have revolutions. How do you do it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, oh, I, that's a very, very good question. I've never been a huge goal setter, mm-hmm. <laughs> although I will, I will share with you that I have just hired a business coach. So I'm oh. sure I'm going to get better at goal setting. And I just did a whole package <laughs> getting ready for this whole business coach thing. Um, that was asking me about the goals and stuff like that. So I literally just went through this whole 
package of, of goal setting that I had to do. And so I can tell you about that exercise, <laughs> which is really, um, what are your goals for 2021? What are your goals for Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4? Um, what are your life goals? Like 50 life goals. Um, what are, what are your, what are your goals for the next three to five years? Um, so kind of went through all of that and I hadn't really done an exercise like that in probably about 18 months. Interesting. And so, um, cause last year was the year for me of, of doing and getting out there and getting involved because really at the end of the day, 2020 moved everything to digital media. And so everybody was looking for a place to spend their marketing dollars and really get their brand out there in a different way that they would, than they would traditionally. So last year was, um, a blessing and it was just crazy. Um, and so it was really a year of just doing, doing, doing for me. And now, uh, 2021 is a year of boundaries. One of my words uh, for this year is boundaries is to get better at boundaries. Um, and also to invest in myself and invest in the business. So sales coach, business coach, um, let's figure out where we're going from here. I like that. That's cool though, that you've had to have all these exercises, even coming from a perspective where you don't normally set goals. And it seems like you're on a path to success. So I'm excited to see where you go. And I'm excited that 2020 wasn't terrible because I know a lot of people had really negative experiences, but I think it's really cool to see the positives that came out of it. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. 2020 was a journey, okay? <laughs> like pro pro personally and professionally. And there was the biggest roller coaster I think I've ever been on, or any of us have really ever been on, you could put down to 2020. Wow. Um, but it's about finding the blessings and finding the things that were good about the year. And that, that is definitely one of them for me. That's great. Love it. Okay. I have one final question okay. that I ask everyone. It stumps everyone. So I'm excited to see what you have to say, but going places originally started out as a travel podcast. So I have to ask if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you not go? Not go. Hmm. That is interesting. I, hmm, that is a great question. I don't know if I probably Afghanistan. Okay. Not really a place on my list. Um, I've got a lot of different places on my list. I've traveled to a lot of different places, um, especially in supply chain, because supply chain gives you a whole load of reasons to travel, um, especially if you get into different like logistic sales. Um, there's a lot of opportunity to travel. So I've traveled to a lot of different places. Cool. Where, where would you go then? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, so first I would go to England because that's where my family is and I haven't seen them in three years, um, oh. like my extended family. So I would definitely, definitely go there. Um, New Zealand is amazing. Australia is amazing. I would, I would definitely go back to Australia. I do want to do those over the water huts in Bora Bora Ooh, at some okay. point. That, that is a good one. I, I want to see Croatia. Um, and Portugal. Um, I would like to go to Asia at some point as well. I've been to South Korea and maybe Dubai. Wow. There's a lot of places. There. <laughs> I've been to Costa Rica. Costa okay. Rica is great, but honestly right now, because so where I am right now in Ontario is in lockdown still till the end of January oh and God. the borders have been shut since March. 
And so honestly, the one place I want to go right now is the beach in Siesta Key to just have a beach vacation. Yep. Oh, that's amazing. I love that though. You want to go all over. I can't wait to see your adventures once COVID and lockdown kind of end. So that'll be fun. Yeah, no, right. it's, it's actually, and, and getting back to traveling because I travel quite a bit for work usually. And so getting back to traveling and getting back to in-person conferences and networking and, and yeah. all sorts of stuff is, is going to be a lot of fun too. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. I, I started networking basically in quarantine. So it's going to be weird to talk to people in person and meet people in person. Right? You're going to yeah. be like, uh, do I hug you? Do I hug <laughs> you? Like, is that really you? Because you look different on Zoom. Yeah, it's going to be funny. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You had so much information about supply chain, about blended. I can't wait to see where your conversation goes with that and just about the industry. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love what you are doing. Keep going, keep doing it. Uh, you are doing some amazing stuff. So thanks for having me. Thank you, Sarah. That was my interview with Sarah Barnes Humphrey. Again, I really hope you gained so much out of this interview. If you're looking at jobs, supply chain seems like a really cool industry. If you're not in supply chain, I feel like you can gain so much from this incredible industry and from what she's doing at Let's Talk Supply Chain, at Blended, and at Ships. She is incredible, and I'm so inspired by her story. Thank you to my listeners for tuning in. I really enjoyed this episode, and I honestly would love to hear what you thought of it. Please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, social media. I'm everywhere, so just find me. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go.